Welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm your host, Christopher Giel, and with this show, my mission is to empower you. I want to inspire those who have forgotten their true worth, their highest potential, and their ultimate capability. I'll be exploring topics that are aimed towards personal growth to help you gain insight and approach life with new perspectives. I want you to increase your impact and help you live a more fulfilling life because limited thinking equals limited being. Let the show begin. Hi there and welcome to episode number seven. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you with me today. So yeah, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the show now so you don't miss out on any new content and episodes that will be coming up. We also have a Facebook community. So I just want to reach out to you and invite you to come and join me in my Facebook community, which you can then join for free. And then that's where in the interaction happens after the show, after the episodes. That's where we dive into the topics a little bit deeper. And here's where you can ask questions, you can re- recommend topics and also recommend new guests for my show as I'm always looking for new people to, to interview. I, so basically, I'm, I'm creating this platform for us to collaborate and just support one another towards becoming a higher version of ourselves. So let me introduce you to today's guest. His name is Eric Kruger, and he's a keynote speaker, author, and mental performance coach who originally started his career as a physiotherapist. He also hosts the Coached podcast, which is loaded with advice on how to approach life with higher performance. He works with leaders and organizations to help them improve their thinking and behavior in the context of high performance, mental toughness, and assertiveness. He is the founder of the Mental Performance Lab and author of Actor Nonverba. He was also the founder of the previously well-known Better Man community who had more than 17,000 thriving members, a group of men who were focused on exactly that, ending every day as a better man than the man they were when the day started. So the way that Eric describes and frames things really helped me to understand the concepts better and to make them practical in my life. So yeah, having said that, Eric is very good at articulating ideas and uh, solutions. He's, he's like super highly focused and passionate on the notion of making people dangerous again. And that got me very, very excited. So if you want to know what I mean by dangerous or what he means by dangerous, then yeah, I'd suggest you listen on all the way to the end. We covered topics around inner game. We spoke about the inner game and what that means for each person and how to develop our inner game. We, I also asked him why we get stuck in our heads and whether we need to shift identity to create more success in life. On top of that, we also spoke about how we can extract our best thinking and, and get the best and the most out of our current mindsets. So if any of those topics are or sound exciting to you and are getting you flared up, then please continue and uh, yeah, let's jump into the show. Hi there, Eric, and welcome to Exploring Possibility. I am super stoked to have you on the show today and to just discuss things, you know, uh, about the mind, about performance, about yeah, anything that goes in connection with that. Christopher, thanks for having me, dude. Awesome, awesome. So what I, from what I understand is that you're an executive coach, right? And mm-hmm. you're also a speaker, but a lot of the times I don't even have an idea of what that means. So what do you actually do? Because I think there's a lot more involved than what we actually see from the outside. So 
Yeah, so twofold. So uh, first and foremost, at the moment, I'm an executive coach. I completed my master's degree in business and executive coaching. And I spend most of my time working with high performers or aspiring high performers to really help them in three areas of their lives. The first is to understand the meaning component of life, meaning the attachments, the values, the beliefs that they have and how that impacts how they show up in the world. The second area is performance, which is the doing part of life, right? So uh, we often think that that's where we unlock performance is, is through the doing, but actually we unlock it by focusing on the meaning and the conditioning component. But anyway, we still have to do things. And so um, I, I act as an accountability partner in that sense, and I help people to, let's say, act with more precision. And then the final component is the conditioning part, which is how do we maintain high performance irrespective of what's happening around us. So when the economy is doing badly, when uh, we are stressed, frustrated, anxious, irritated, how do we manage to sustain performance even though that's happening? And a big part of that is then saying, well, what does mental toughness and mental resilience look like in the context of of what we're trying to achieve? So in a nutshell, that's what executive coaching is about. Um, I work with clients across all different industries. So there's very seldom... um, conversations that repeat themselves. So one conversation might be helping someone to prep, to pitch for a, a hundred million rand investment that they need to go do. The next conversation might be about how to be a more visible leader in your organization. The next one might be about how to be a better partner to your, to your partner. Um, so it really kind of goes all across the board, but I think ultimately what everyone has in common is they want to be better at what they're doing. And I help them to do that and help them to be more intentional and more deliberate. And then out of the coaching and doing that uh, came my speaking practice, which is really where I want to shift to more. And hopefully in the next year or two, 80% of my practice will be speaking and 20% will be coaching. And I just, I speak on the same things that I see in coaching. I think that's what makes my talks valuable is that it's really based on the practice of what I do and not just reading and regurgitating John Maxwell and Gary Vaynerchuk. I understand you completely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it sounds like you, you've got a quite like a broad um, skill set um, in terms of helping people as well. And I, I find that quite fascinating. You also have a podcast, uh, which I've been listening to called Coached. It's quite amazing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of insight in there. And I Thank try you. and yeah, listen back to some of the episodes just to, like you say in a lot of your emails as well, is to integrate what we learn or what we read, you know, and uh, it. Mm-hmm. previously it was called the uh, psychology of personal performance and now it's, and now you've sort of rebranded and you've also mm. got this uh, new brand called the mental performance lab. Could you slightly elaborate on what you do there? Is that, is that, uh, in connected with, uh, executive coaching or how did that start? Yeah. You know, so, um, when I, st- so if I go back a little bit further, um, in 2014, I started a, a website called Better Man and Better Man grew into a community and this community became 18,000 men strong. And it's really the community that ended up pushing me into coaching. And when I decided, well, I'm going to be doing coaching, I thought, well, I, I want to formalize it. I want to make it as professional and as authoritative as possible. You know, like cause the coaching space is so full of wannabes and uh, I've always wanted my brand to rise above it. So the mental performance lab was sort of a, a, a culmination of that is that I wanted it to be, to have a, a more professional feel to it. Um, although actually like it's, it's almost a sideline brand. Um, 
you know, like my invoicing and stuff goes through Menzel Performance Lab, but, but everyone actually in, interacts with the Eric brand. Um, and I mean, that's kind of the world we're moving into, right? Where the personal brand is almost more valuable than the company brand. Yeah. And I read, I read somewhere the other day that, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, bigger brand than VaynerMedia. Uh, Ariana Huffington, bigger brand than the Huffington Post. Uh, Jeff Bezos, a bigger brand than Amazon. And yeah. I thought that was quite interesting, you know. So I created it at, at the time. And since then, it's almost just been a website. My real focus is on my personal brand. And I think, especially as coaches, like that's who people want to interact with. So it makes sense to focus down on that. Yeah, I think we see we, we saw the same recent post and I also found it very profound. Um, and I found it quite true as well. I mean, in my own life, you can also like, and yeah, my own experience, I can sometimes follow someone instead of actually, you know, the, the website behind them or the product. Mm. It's more like the person you want to interact. And I, I think it comes down to, us, to uh, us, us being social beings almost, wanting to interact with one another. It's almost like it connects mm. with that. In your, your podcast and also in your, your emails and stuff, you speak about the inner game. And I find the inner game extremely fascinating. Can you perhaps just provide me and some of the listeners with an idea of what you mean by the inner game so we can just have context and a definition and also um, why it's important to develop our inner game? So for me, it, it boils down to what is your thinking? What is your beliefs? And how does that impact your behavior? And it's really that, uh, everything that we do stems from either how we feel or what we think. And so the great thing is that we are in control of how we think and how we feel. Um, it's a, a privilege and a, yeah, I think we often, uh, let it go. Like we often don't take the control that we have over it. And I actually made a video yesterday about the fact that you have a certain state of mind when you wake up in the morning and you have a certain state of mind that gets sort of enforced upon you by the environment when you become frustrated, anxious, uh, fearful. And the awesome thing is you can shift your state and how you shift your state is up to you and what state you shift to is up to you. But your, your state of mind will then determine what you end up doing and the level to what you do it. So when I talk about in a game, yeah, for me, it, it's really your thinking and your beliefs. If we go back to what I said in the beginning about meaning, performance and conditioning, it'll be the, the meaning and the conditioning part of it. So that to me is in a game. What does in a game mean to you? Uh, I, would, I would suggest the same. Um, to me, in a game is also our beliefs. It's our identity. It's the thought pattern. It's who we, um, it's almost like your inner narrative that runs continuously. And a lot of the time that stems out to our behavior. And it, so looking at our behavior, you can then look at your inner game in a way to say, Right, I can see like what I'm thinking through what I'm doing almost. It's it's like mm. yeah, just being conscious about what's going on with you inside in, in your thoughts mm. and mm. yeah, a strong a strong affiliation to identity, I would say. Why do you think it's mm. important that we do develop our inner game? Because behavior stems from it. Um, and because if you don't pay attention to the way that you think and you feel, you are prone to repeat the same patterns in your life. And I think that's perhaps been one of the most important things that I've seen in coaching is that we so easily default to autopilot. And of course, it's a great thing to have. It's an important thing to have, but we don't even realize it. And especially the kind of clients that I work with, they function at a very high level. And even at that high level, you know, you get a certain result. And because you get that result, you do more of the same thing. 
but you actually realize that you want a different result. You want a bigger result. But it's so, it's so subtle that it's almost invisible when you slot into those automatic patterns. Yeah, I think at, at a high level, um, we need to be aware of it so we can change it. If we're saying that the way we think and we feel changes up, uh, affects our behavior. Like one example I, I always default to is, you know, you get home after a long day at work, you're tired, you're frustrated, and you scream at your partner. And then a couple of moments later, you're like, oh, you know, I, sh I shouldn't have screamed at you. I'm sorry. And you have the awareness, like you know that your, your behavior caused, you know, some sort of an issue. Great. So you have that awareness. Now, a couple of days go by and the same thing happens. And exactly the same happens. Like you, you get home, you're tired, frustrated, you scream at your partner and you, afterwards you have that awareness. Oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. It is great for you to have the awareness around your behavior and that it's destructive, but it would be so much more helpful if you had that awareness a few steps back, a few steps back, meaning when the thought first occurred to you that, you know, someone said or did something that's made you feel and think a certain way. And because you thought and felt a certain way, you acted in a certain way. So it doesn't help us always just being aware of the behavior and the consequence of the behavior. We have to try and take a few steps back and become aware at the, the thinking and the emotion phase, the inner game phase. Right. Yeah, that is, that is quite a critical thing you just said, because I find with myself also that step one is to become conscious about what we think and what you do. So like you said, having that awareness when something happens, you're able to click and say, wow, I just actually saw that happening. You know, I actually can look back and say, I understand what's happened, but then sort of to, to make a difference and to be able to not have that happen again, you'll need to work on the game. Like you said, just go back like one step deeper almost and work a little bit on those things. Uh, you also refer to the mental edge a lot. Is that to, has that got anything to do with your inner game? It, it's, a, it's the same. I think you develop a mental edge when you are um, conscious and actively working on improving your inner game. And like, I, I want to just go back to one thing you said. Yeah. I think there's this narrative that, you know, it, once you take the steps back, so, you know, we said behavior, belief, and thought, there's this narrative that you have to go deep. Like you have to go and do soul searching and like uh, that awareness is this like very intense practice and it doesn't have to be, you know, it can literally just be noticing a thought and changing it. Like it doesn't have to be, I go back into my childhood and I realized that, you know, at some point someone said or did something to me and that caused an eternal scar. And then, you know, there's a time to deal with that. And I think there's, you know, many modalities and, and therapies and things coming out that assist people in healing the past. An important thing to do. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm saying it's not necessary every single time for us to go and say, well, oh, this happened. Let me retrace the route all the way back. You know, we can literally just change our state by changing the way we think and noticing the way we think. Um, it doesn't have to be a big thing. So I just want to, to sort of lay that out as well. Yeah, I'm very happy that you just actually highlighted that because I feel that even in my own life, I sometimes go towards that. And I think part of that is because I feel like I am uh, an overthinker. And mm. so doing things like that, it's like I overthink things and I just want to jump into a lot of things. Definitely. And I, I just want to make things more complex than what it actually is. And I just found that, yeah, overthinking is not going to help me. And it's actually just procrastinating. I'm just, I'm just moving, exactly. you know, yeah. I'm, I'm moving it ahead. I'm not able to deal with the situation at that moment with one slight change in emotion or, or thought or state, like you called it earlier. 
and we become perpetual introspectors. That's what happens. You know, we, we sit down and we're like, I need to get to the root of this. I need to get to the root of this. And I journal and I <laughs> meditate and I like, you know, I obsess and like, instead of just going out and like, and like living your life, you know, um, introspection has its limits. We have to like realize that. And introspection is a very valuable tool, but it lacks input from others, number one. And also like, you don't know what you don't know. And no, no amount of introspection is going to give that to you. Like we call it a blind spot for a reason. It's not just going to appear to you. Like you, you need to use uh, different sets of feedback. And that, that means like the feedback that you get from doing things. It means the feedback that you get from other people. So we have to incorporate all of that if we really want to, I think ultimately in a, in a very comprehensive and holistic way, change our thoughts and our behaviors. That is really excellent advice. Like I've never heard that before, like where we need to take feedback from all angles almost, you know, from the inner side, mm. from outside mm. and sort of gel it together to find a comprehensive solution. That's mm. fascinating. I love that. Is that like, wh why do you think people get stuck in their heads? Why do you think we get, you know, fixed inside? Is it, is it, has it got to do with what we've been speaking about this entire time? Or what do you, what do you find is like the most common things that people why they get stuck in the head. Yeah. Like, what is it? There should be like a common pattern, I'm sure. It's actually, from what I've seen, I think it's, it's the fear of failing and the fear of trying things, you know, because mm. going into our heads, it's easy, you know, and it feels like we're making progress because we're thinking about things. And like, I mean, there's, there's countless studies that have sort of shown that when we think we've accomplished something, uh, like it, it's so closely tied to, or no, let me rephrase that. When we, if you, have, if you have a goal that you want to achieve and you think about achieving that goal, sometimes you might take less action because in your mind, you already like, oh, I'm going to achieve this goal anyway. You hear where I'm going with that? So like, yeah. I think we, we introspect, we get stuck in our heads because it's just the easier thing to do than, than putting ourselves out there for people to see. And like, I see it in my coaching, like in my coaching practice, my coaching practice, not the people I work with, my practice as a, as a thing all the time. It's easier for me to spend time on Canva and on my whiteboard working on marketing material and thinking of new programs and all of that <laughs> much easier to do that than to actually like speak to clients or send a cold email or do something that's going to put my brand out there. You know? So I think the fear is what puts us back in our heads. That is so fascinating. Like I'm relating so hard. Like I, I just <laughs> see myself also with this brand that I'm trying to push forward is you go into Canva and you create the most beautiful pictures and stuff and you get into like infographics and help in doing mm. things there. But it's like, is that ultimately moving the needle forward or not? You know, or is it just sprinkling yeah. stuff on top? So I can. And it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It, it, like it keeps you busy, you know, and it feels like you're being productive. But exactly what you said, is it actually making a difference? Yeah, it's actually so counterproductive if I just mm. think about that for a second. So like, if we want to change our behavior, do we then first start, uh, do we need to shift our identity first? Is that what you're saying? Do we need to shift? Is that part of the inner game where we shift our inner state, we shift our identity and then start, you know, branching it out to mm. having or, or doing more, productive stuff or actions that actually lead us to our version of success. I think, I think we have to like identity is so closely tied to how we show up in the world. So there's no way that over time, if you want to change the way that you show up, that you can't change your identity. So the two sort of goes hand in hand and Joe Dispenza has this amazing thing that he says that your, 
personality creates your personal reality. And so if you want to change your personal reality, you have to change your personality. So I quite like the way he phrases that. And I think it's a cool way of looking at it, but it doesn't have to be that big right off the bat. I've spoken about accretion a few times and accretion is this idea that the small decisions and the small actions that we uh, take and make every day accumulate and they give us the, the life that we have. So it's a very similar concept to the idea of, you know, marginal gains or the compound effect. It essentially just says that your life's an accumulation of the things that you do and the, the thoughts that you think and the beliefs that you accumulate. So it doesn't have to be as big as shifting identity. It can start much smaller, which is just saying, I've noticed that I do this one thing and I want to change it. And I'm not going to go back into my past to try and fix it. I'm just going to notice the next time the trigger arises or the, the same context or situation arises, and I'm going to act differently. Like it, it, it's as easy and as, as difficult as that at the same time. And then over time, when you do that enough, I think your identity does shift. And I think your behavior does shift, but it, it doesn't start there. Does that answer your question? Definitely. I actually love how you just phrased it. I love how you put it out because sometimes, like you said, with Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's actually absolutely amazing with what he does. But having that one sentence, you know, your personal, um, your personality creates your personal reality. It is such a profound sentence, but sometimes it can be too big for someone. Almost mm. like when I said, mm. you've got to shift your identity. It's like, okay, whoa, I'm not ready to shift. Mm an identity yet, but I like how you simplify things. Do you think that's part of your, like who you are or as mm. a part of what you've learned over the, of your course of your life where you see that it's actually easier to just simplify things and also break things down so that they are more achievable and almost like easier in a way <laughs> or more simpler rather to do. Like you said, it's, it's tough and, and easy at the same time. It's simple. Definitely. You know, I, one of the reasons people don't move is because of uncertainty that gets created and because of things that feel big to us. So I think the more we can simplify, the more we can set the bar slightly lower, you know, we get people moving at least. And once you're moving and once there's momentum, now you can take bigger strides. Now you can become more confident, more bold in the way that you, that you approach things, but at least just get the momentum first. So how do we extract our, our best thinking? How do we get the most out of our current mindset? A couple of things. Number one would be definitely the awareness part, right? Like as much as we want to try and get around it, you just can't, you can't change if you don't know what you're changing and what you need to change. Yeah. So there always needs to be a self-awareness component first. And remember that self-awareness is internal, external. It means sitting down, doing the, the deep work for yourself, journal, meditation, whatever it may be. But it also means external self-awareness, which comes from the people around you and from getting feedback from the tasks that you do and, and the performance that you deliver. So that's perhaps the first thing. The second thing would be to say, well, what does my ideal uh, behavior look like? My ideal performance look like? And that's actually what I wanted to say to you a bit earlier is that when I work with clients, my number one goal is to build up what I call a key behavior index. And all this is saying, well, how do we create three to five behaviors that are so precise, that are so attuned to what you are trying to achieve, that if you do these every day, there's no ways we don't get you to where you want to go. So, but you can only, you can only create that once you have the clarity and the vision of what that needs to look like in the future at some point. So, so self-awareness, what's the future look like in terms of your key behaviors that you want? Um, 
And then the third thing is, well, now you know what the gap is, go fill in the gap, go close it. And no one can tell you how to do that. You have to figure that out for yourself. It's probably the, the power of coaching. Um, I, I think it's the, the best power of coaching is that it forces you to figure things out for yourself. It shows you the gap and then it says, now go and do it because we are resourceful. Um, we do have the imagination, the creativity, the will, the, the spark to go and do these things, but we just don't always see where the gap lies. Um, so that would be a, th- a quick three-step process, I think. Yeah, excellent, excellent advice. Once again, I think that's amazing advice. Uh, people must just go and follow the advice. <laughs> no, go and think mm. about it, see how it makes sense in their own lives and then act on it. Mm. Uh, a lot of the time I feel that, you know, I meet people that are super conscious and I can speak for myself as now as well now. So. I find myself to be conscious. I find myself to know exactly what to do because we're like in an information overloaded society. And, but then I sometimes get stuck at the acting part, at the doing part, at the practicing part. Why is is that going to link us back to to identity or is it going to link to something Mm. more in the, in the, in the realm of, I think you mentioned it just now, clarity. If you don't have clarity, you're going to put the brakes on. Yeah there's so many reasons why we, we end up not acting. Um, like we said, fear is definitely one component. Clarity is definitely another. Clarity for me is almost the, the turbo boost for performance. Like how can you be a high performer if you don't know what high performance looks like? You know, uh, like if you take an F1 driver, they only know what high performance looks like because they know they have to go around the circuit at the best time, you know, mm. the shortest amount of time without that, without those sort of rules guiding them, how will they know what high performance looks like? You know? So, so I think clarity is one. Um, but there's actually, there's a, a cool framework by, uh, two researchers. They, they identified six different styles of procrastination. Um, and so the one was, uh, being the perfectionist. So having unrealistic standards, the one was the dreamer, uh, dreaming big dreams, but never bringing them into reality. Uh, the third was being a warrior, always worrying about the future. The fourth was being a defier. So like these are guys who are in organizations who, who don't like being told what to do. So when they procrastinate, it's actually a bit of rebellion. Uh, we had the overdoer, which is the one who always says yes, the people pleaser. They take on so many things that they get so busy, they can't get to the doing. And then the final one was the crisis maker, the person who waits for the last minute to get things done. So they're like always living on the deadline. And they think that the more pressure they have, the better they perform, right? And there's a certain amount of truth to that, but I don't think they leave themselves enough time to do their best work. So I'm just trying to think, it was Sapperton and Maguire. Those are the two researchers who did that, uh, who did that study. So what's fascinating though, is when we look at these six different styles of procrastination, we all actually know how to solve procrastination. You know, we cognitively, we know how to figure it out. You know, if I say to you, here's someone who's perfectionist, what kind of advice might you give them to overcome their procrastination? You might say, well, you know, you have unrealistic standards. You'll never get to perfect. If you are going to wait for perfect, then by the time you actually launch your product to the market, people might not actually like it. They might want to give you some feedback to go and change it. So like, it's, it's a waste of time. And you know, by the time you launch the market might have moved on. So cognitively, that makes sense. It's rational, it's logical, but do people do it? No. And the reason we don't do it is because ultimately the reason we don't act is we are driven by emotions. And when we start 
or when something starts creating a feeling for us of dis-ease, like we, we're just not feeling good, then we go and do something that makes us feel good. It's, it's really as, like, as simple as that. And so you start taking action, but the fear starts creeping up or the anxiety starts creeping up. And what do you do? You're not feeling good anymore. So what do you do? You go find something that makes you feel good. So I think ultimately, just in a very long-winded way to answer your question, the reason we don't take action is because of some some low frustration tolerance that we have. And uh, it might be frustration. It might be some emotional component, but it's definitely not because of um, a lack of knowing or a lack of motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Fully agree. Uh, you mentioned those six um, procrastination styles almost, and I can almost relate with like the first four. I, I don't mm. relate mm. so much with the last two, but the first four, I'm almost like a combination of all of them, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's I think, I think that's true for yeah. most people. I think it's true for most people. Like um, when <laughs> I do this as a, in my talks, I always ask people to put their hands up and like, do how many styles do you relate with? And almost everyone like it's, it hits at least four. Um, and I think what that shows us is that, you know, we dynamic human, like we dynamic as, as people. So you might be one style of procrastination or mm. procrastinating at, at home and a different style at work. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, it's once you have the awareness again, what do you do about it? Right. So with your answer, you also mentioned that you, you feel that we, we don't like that discomfort in a way. And mm. I recently read, and this might be one of your blogs. I don't even know because I've got so much info in my head at the moment, but it's the, the, the headline said, you must start to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Would you say that's a, a viable solution for someone like me, I guess, who's, I feel like I'm, mo I'm moving forward, but sometimes I'm still stuck. Do you feel that that might be a viable option to look at to moving forward in this case where you, mm. you're stuck and you just go for the first thing, you know, it's, if, even if it's going to Canva and doing the artwork, it's cause I'm uncomfortable in that situation to actually do what I'm be supposed to be doing, whether it's going to be a call or whether it's going to be an e like a cold email, like you said earlier, like, how do you feel about that? So it's almost like, it sounds a bit paradoxical, right? Become comfortable with the uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> like I guess words, it are wasn't a big thing for, words are a big thing for me. So I, I always, <laughs> yeah. So I, I get where you, where, where it's going though. So it, it's saying, you know, spend more time doing the things that make you feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't think we should get comfortable with that because once you're comfortable, it's just another comfort zone, right? So like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. That's why I'm saying that to me, like, <laughs> I don't quite get it, but I'm, I'm going to rephrase it for you right. um, in a way that, that I've been speaking to many clients about. And I think actually, like, let's let's stop talking about comfort zones and and being comfortable and uncomfortable and all that. Let's let's talk instead about being dangerous, because I think many of us find ourselves in survival mode, and and survival mode for me means that there's three things that happen. The first is that you become very reactive to your environment. So you might have a planning horizon, but you don't actually go and do the things that prepare you for tomorrow. You simply do the things that you can respond to for today. The second thing, and I'm going to condense this for you quite a bit because it can take me like 20 minutes to get through this. So I'm <laughs> going to condense it a lot. The, the second thing is that uh, we operate from anxiety and fear instead of from inspiration and excitement. So, you know, you, during your day, like 
part partly because you because of your reactivity is um i'm just worried about the future i'm just worried about like will i do the right thing you know and it, it's it means that you, you don't go into the discomfort the third thing then is the things that we do in survival mode keeps us in survival mode and that makes sense because we've engineered this action to help us to survive to keep us comfortable and so what does it give us well it gives us survival it gives us being comfortable and I've been asking myself, well, how do we escape that? How do we create enough velocity so that we snap out of it and actually live a life that is, that is um, impactful, you know? And the answer to me has been that we have to become dangerous again. And I love the word dangerous here because I tried different words. I thought, well, maybe it needs to be, because I speak to corporates, right? And I thought, how would <laughs> corporates respond to the word danger? Like it doesn't, doesn't gel well with <laughs> corporate culture. But I tried different words. I thought maybe it should be adventurous or daring or courageous or, mm. you know, but it sounds, it sounds something like a bit like a gummy berry song. So I thought, no, it, it doesn't make sense. Like it needs to be the word dangerous. It needs to be powerful. And so let me quickly rephrase dangerous. Every hero goes on a journey. And at some point along his journey, the hero encounters the villain, the monster, the dragon, the threat, the danger. And if the hero is going to save those who need to be saved, protect those who need to be protected and ultimately change the world, then the hero needs to become a danger to the danger. They need to be a threat to the threat. And so if you look at it like that, we have no other option but to be dangerous because if you're not dangerous, you are harmless. And Jordan Peterson has, Jordan Peterson has this awesome quote and he says that there's no virtue in being harmless. If you're harmless, you're like a bunny and all a bunny can do is get eaten. And so in every hero movie, we see what we call a montage and we see the hero getting better, faster, stronger. We see him with determination, perseverance, focus, grit, you know, like all the different scenes cut together of him training and like what we're actually seeing is the process of the hero becoming dangerous. And so my question is, you know, if we take your weeks, your days, your weeks, your months, and we stitch them together, do we see you in the process of becoming dangerous? Do we see you getting faster, better, stronger, perseverance, determination, focus, grit, facing the danger? Or do we see you stuck in your cave in survival mode, becoming more harmless? And so what that then means is, well, what is the threat? Have you identified the threat? And if you know what the threat is, if the threat is mediocrity, if the threat is an expanding waistline, if the threat is declining profits, stalled growth in your company, are you being a threat to the threat? And if you can answer that for me, you know, there's no ways that you're, gonna, you're sitting in a, in a comfort zone. There's no talk about becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's simply you being dangerous. That's all that matters. Um, and that to me is a really powerful way of looking at it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the way how you just phrased that out. Um, to me, if I had to put it like into practical terms, it would almost mean like to, are you learning the stuff that you need to learn to get to where you want to be? Are you spending time with the people that you need to spend time with to where you, like, to where you want to go? And also, are you doing the actual things daily that are going to take you to where you need to go? Does that, is that, uh, is that yeah, right? Is I that what you meant? Yeah. You know, partly what, what it means for me is whatever it needs to mean for you. Mm. Um, what, what does it mean for you? Like if, if you think of the word dangerous, like what does it mean to be dangerous, you know, in your world? Because I think it's different for all of us. For me, it means that I'm, I'm precise in the way I act. I'm clear in the way that I think that 
all the actions I take are geared towards my vision for the future, that people look at me and they go, we have to watch him because <laughs> he's a, he's a threat, you know, he's a, he's competition. And I want that. I, I want people to get back to a, like there's a us versus them. There's a, and it doesn't have to be in a, uh, destructive way, you know, but competition is a good thing, but it almost feels to me like we end up participating these days and not really competing and being dangerous means that people are aware of you. They're taking notice. They, they see you making moves and they realize that you are being bold in the way that you show up. Ultimately, what it means is that it's a feeling, you know, it comes back to that. It's about feeling excited, feeling alive, feeling like you can actually make a difference. And that's where I want to get people at is, is feeling dangerous because, and it comes back to right where we started this conversation, right? If you can feel dangerous, if you can think dangerous, you can act dangerous. And just in case anyone hasn't, haven't pieced it together, I'm not saying go to work tomorrow with a nine mil strapped to your thigh <laughs> and go pick out a fight when you listen, done listening to this podcast. It's not about that. It's about really identifying the the threats and the opportunities that's, that exist in your life and in your business and going for it. Yeah. Thank you for explaining it so deeply and so thoroughly. I think it helps to, you know, put things into perspectives because I think sometimes people can just, um, yeah, they can take things a little bit from the other side, which is, oh, for sure. <laughs> which could be harmful. But I think in this, in the way that you said it, it's beautiful. Um, especially if you want to help people achieve another state of being, that is, I think that's awesome. How do we create a, so like a high performance state of mind, because I think in one of your podcast episodes, you speak thoroughly about the currency of high performance. So does mm -hmm. it have anything to do with like creating a, a high performance state of mind at all? Yeah. So, I mean, so the currency of high performance is focus or our ability to pay attention. Mm. And, and I think that it really is um, the state of mind that you need to be in. And it's so easily created by just getting rid of the distractions to start off with. And I was actually thinking this morning specifically around, so all my coaching calls I do over, over zoom. Right. And it's so easy to get distracted while you're having this conversation. So like a notification pop up on your screen or like your phone is next to you. Yeah. And I thought how, how little do we value our own development and the conversations that we have if we can't for an hour, just say no distractions Yeah. and I'm, I'm writing a book and like the same thing, like, can I really not sit down for an hour and just say no distractions? So like, again, you know, if we're going to take the, the simplest way to create high performance, it's going to be pay attention and pay attention to the right things. So easiest way to do that is to start getting rid of the distractions that we have around us. Pick up Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, start there and like, just, you know, pay attention. Yeah, that is fantastic work. I can even see that. And I think I'm speaking, you know, in general here as well, because I feel like a lot of people might be doing this and it's a lot of the times I also get stuck in, in the notifications and stuff. And like, it's like the environment is created to distract us. So we must sure. mm. put an intentional effort to, to stay focused, especially if we want to move more yep. towards high performance, you know, and and eventually just uh, a better life. Um, being mm. distracted all the time isn't, it isn't very fulfilling in any way. And mm. yeah, I hope I'm speaking for everyone because it makes sense to me. You have mm. this, or you, part of doing my research on you, and I, I found these two statements that you said, or these two notions that you have, you say that we have poor patience 
patience, uh, thresholds, or poor anxiety and frustration tolerance. What do you mean by that? Mm. Like, could you slightly elaborate on that? Yeah, so it ties back to procrastination. Mm. Um, one of the uh, phrases that you'll come across is a low frustration tolerance. And what it just means is that when we engage with work and we start becoming frustrated with it, um, our tolerance for it is so low that you know we quickly move to do something else. And so how I've simplified that is just, you know, as you spoke about earlier, if you don't feel good, you go and find something that does make you feel good. So it's, it's the same principle behind it. And I just included patience and anxiety because I think often that's, that's part of what creates the frustration. And yeah, people need, you know, they just need clarity when they read things like that. So hmm. um, ultimately what that means to me is that we want to feel good. And when we do things that don't make us feel good, we go look for other things that do make us feel good. And sometimes that means that we don't engage with doing meaningful work that will actually move the needle for us. Right. I can see how you, um, how it connects in with the procrastination that we mm -hmm. spoke about earlier. So yeah. yeah, ideally, and you know, as my, as part of my purpose with this podcast is just to help people grow, you know, especially through different perspective. I want to help them move into newer and just stronger versions of themselves. And I think high performance mm. is so, it's so nice, you know, for in any place of life, whether it's in business, in relationships, whether it's in your own personal life, whether it's in sports, I think it's, it's so applicable to everyone. So I definitely think people can, can benefit from this. And I think moving into a new sort of version of yourself takes a lot of growth. So I would quickly want to focus a little bit on growth and yeah, seeing that I want to challenge people's perspectives and try and remove limitations. I think mm -hmm. we need to grow and just create more success in our life and impact more. So, so what, what does it mean to you? Do you think we also need more growth and, and able to mm -hmm. move forward and become a di different version of ourselves and then perhaps cool. how we grow? <laughs> so I think there's three ways in which we grow mm. and or three, three directions. So the first way is, or first direction is up. And up for me means the traditional model of success. It is um, a bigger car, bigger house, more money, better job title, like all the things, the material things that create status and success for us, mm. at least traditionally speaking. And most of us are pretty, pretty good at focusing on this uh, direction of growth. The next level of growth is down and down meaning deeper into yourself. So it can be, you, we can talk about it being your inner game, but it's really about understanding who you are, understanding who you want to be and healing your past, but also just making peace with, with kind of where you are in your life. Because sometimes we, this tension, you know, I think creates unnecessary um, anxiety in our lives. So downward growth, meaning it's really about developing yourself and it's the foundation for, to counteract and counterbalance the upward growth. Um, cause that's, that's why we often see successful celebrities, entrepreneurs who are miserable or who haven't seen their kids in like three years or, you know, who are burning out is because they have all the upward growth, but none of the downward growth, none of the foundational self development, deep inner work growth. And then the final direction in which we grow is towards, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you stand up, you face the world head on. And so you have to grow towards the world as well that you operate in. And that means growing towards people. So deepening our relationships, with the people around us, and then also 
growing towards the challenges we face. You know, it's as much internal we face them as much as it's out there in the world. So we have to grow towards the challenges and opportunities. And I always ask people, you know, once you hear that, if you are honest with yourself, in which of those three directions are you really growing at the moment? And it's a nice bit of a reflection. And what we, what you typically find is that people grow in the upward direction, you know, because that's what matters. It's, you know, we want the money, we want the success, we want the fame, all of those kind of things. And they leave the downward and toward growth um, for a later time, for when the heart attack happens, for when things start falling apart. I've seen that so many times, also being partially in the health and fitness industry. You see this almost every day. The There's a lot of stress yeah. as well. Would you say that stress is connected to these growth levels or these growth angles being out of balance or definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think um, if I look at so many people, like the way they, they go through their day, you know, it's so rushed and it's so, it's so jam packed full of things to do. You wake up, traffic, work, mm. traffic, home, TV. Repeat. I get, I get why people don't spend time on themselves. I get it. You know, like when you've been through a day like that, like the last thing you want to do is set, uh, set aside half an hour to like meditate or to read a book or to like journal or whatever the case may be. I get that it's difficult to create that, uh, like a, a new habit out of a routine like that. But it's, it's so crucially important that we do it. And it's, it's very difficult to see in the moment. It's very easy to see once the, once the heart attack has happened, why we should have done it before. So on that note, quickly, why do you suggest people do that um, find themselves in that situation? Because I've been there as well, and it was super tough to get mm. out of it, to just say, it's, it's, it's like I didn't have the vision. It's like mm. I couldn't see past my current you know, circumstances or situation. Mm. What do you suggest for people in that situation? You know, the, the first thing again is, do you actually have the awareness that you're in that situation? Mm. Um, so if you, if you can, if you, if you look at those three areas of growth that we just spoke about, if you can pinpoint what's happening for you and you know how in balance or out of balance that is at the moment, that's a good starting point because once you at least know there's something off kilter, now you can say, well, what do I do to change it? I love the idea of the, that we stand in the gap between who we are and who we want to be. And in reality, we are always going to stand in the gap because you, you know, no matter how much you grow, there's always a new and next level. But, but some people stand in the gap and they aren't aware of it and they, they don't do anything about it. And some people are very aware of it and they try and do something about it all the time. So create the awareness around which area of growth you actually need. And then just start there, you know, just start with something. Like don't worry about changing all of it in one go. Like find something one character trait that you want to work on, um, the weight you might want to lose, like just choose one thing and just start there. And very often you'll find that once you start making positive changes in your life, it starts spilling over into other areas of your life. And um, I'm sure you see this with your job all the time where in fitness, you know, it's such a positive keystone habit that once people start training, all of a sudden they want to eat well as well. And because of that, they have more energy and they become more focused at work. And, you know, it's like positivity breeds positivity. So I'm hoping that, you know, by starting small, at least we start creating the momentum and the, the sort of chain reaction. Yeah. That, that, uh, what you just mentioned there, the cornerstone habit is like, that can be another video for the future on its own. That's such yeah. a critical component. 
Um, I've, mm. I've, I have actually seen that where if people just make or change their health, their entire life changes. Like it just, like you said, spills over and it just ripples out into their life and making it, it makes such a, a deep and profound impact. Before mm. we end off, I just want to finish mm. off with that. Uh, we just spoke about growth and I'm, I just have this question in my mind. Like I'm seeing this graph almost that expands, you know, and it goes up, uh, it goes down, it goes towards. You, you said that if it's unbalanced, we find a lot of stress, you know, and, but wouldn't it be um, unbalanced at some point where you may be reaching for something, then your, your upward growth would be a little bit higher than let's say your deep growth. Let's say you have been doing some inner growth for a while, you know, um, mm. would you say that it's, it's not like out of proportion, I guess, would you say that it's like slightly mm. unbalanced? Is that like, I don't, I don't know yeah, so, I'm going with this question, but no, I, I, I hear <laughs> you. I hear you. And I, what I would say is don't think of it too literally mm. in that, um, like I, I can envision what you're saying, you know, you have this graph, you have the bars that run yes. up, down and towards and yeah. In, in a way, you almost want them to be at the same level right yeah. around, you know, which, which is <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if, if I think of my day, for example, I spend most of my day doing upward growth, you know, mm. it's how do I better enroll clients? How do I mm. get more clients? How do I manage the clients that I have? How do I create a, a more interesting podcast? So that's all upward growth. And, and that's why I don't bash upward growth. It's important. Like that's where high performance comes from. So I'm all for that. Um, and then if I look at towards growth, that to me is when I'm spending time with my clients and I'll always have, let's say five minutes before a session. Um, I'm reviewing what they've said. I'm setting my intention for the session, all those kind of things that I think will, will ultimately deepen my relationship with my clients. Once we get on the call, cause they can see, I actually care about them and, and I'll reflect on what we said afterwards, but it's not a big part of my day. And then downward growth for me is my meditations in the morning. Um, the half an hour to an hour I spend reading every day, the time I spend on my whiteboard thinking through like where I want to go with my life, reflecting on, so I have two whiteboards. Um, it contains my aspirational values. It contains goals that I've set for myself. It contains my North star, like all those kind of things that I reflect on as well during the day. So if you look at my day, it's completely disproportionate, but you know, it, it provides the, um, the energy and the effort into those areas that I need because all of them get the attention they need. It also doesn't help us sitting. And like we said earlier, doing introspection all day long, mm. like it's not going to, it's not going to move the needle. So yeah, don't think about it too literally, but I think, I think we are on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Uh, so yeah, just to finish off, like where can people get hold of you? And also are there any other resources like books or blogs and stuff that people, people can actually go read or learn more about like what you do and perhaps, mm. you know, more about high performance and stuff. So, uh, like I'm all for um, leveling people up and, you know, getting them forward, having them move forward. So is there any resources? that they can go mm. to? So, uh, ericrooker.com is probably the easiest. You'll find uh, links to most of my socials and stuff on there. Uh, it'll also link you to the coach podcast. And then the best place to really connect with me is on LinkedIn. I actually spend most of my time on, on that social platform these days. So, uh, and I think just search Eric Kruger and you'll find it. Um, Eric with a K though. 
And that's about it, dude. Thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed this, this chat. Yeah, Eric, thank you so much. I think uh, as a one last thing, what, what do you want to leave the people with? Like what is the one belief they can install today? You know, I want something practical that people can go and sit down literally after this podcast and install, you know, like install a belief uh, just so they can change perspective. Because sometimes we're stuck in this one perspective and we never, ever, ever get out of it. Is there something you want to say or leave people with? Yeah, uh, You know, so, so the word dangerous comes back to mind for me in right. that. So I'm, I'm writing a book about it at this stage mm-hmm. and hopefully it'll be out in, in quarter one. And it's about being dangerous. And like, if you can tap into that again, like if you can go and like, what, what would it mean? It would mean sitting down and asking yourself, what makes me excited? Like what makes me come alive? Let me do more of that. Um, like just feel something again, you know, like that would be the, if you can leave today from having listened to this podcast and there's an, an excitement or an aliveness and like, you're like, yes, let me go and do this. Then I think we've accomplished something, you know, that to me is perhaps the most important thing. So I think I'll, I'll end with that. Yeah. Brilliant. That's actually going to mm. uh, cause people to go and actually read more on what you mean by that on your, your mm. blogs and stuff. Cause there's, there's guys, there's so much, knowledge um in eric's blogs please go I'll, I'll actually link all of your your um, notes and stuff i'll take all your links and put it in the show notes of this episode so if anyone's Perfect. keen to go and check it out or contact you you can just visit the show notes it's so easy just click on a link and you'll be directed to eric's website that is eric with a k don't forget that <laughs> you'll see it in the website handle and then yeah eric i just want to say thank you for for being on the show today. I think I just want to thank you for taking my head out of the clouds and making things practical again, making things understandable. Um, you actually help me and I guess, and I'm assuming a lot of others who are going to be listening to this podcast to move forward in life. I really admire um, what you do and what you seek to, to do in this world. I can just see the impact happening. And I really think that you're going to help people achieve you know, that, that mental edge. And I do believe, just to end off, that you are going to help people become dangerous again. I look forward there to it. There we that. go. There you go. <laughs> That's the clincher. Thank you so much, dude. And thank you for, for hosting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Eric. And that's about it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for listening. As with every other episode, I just hope that you learned something new. I hope that you got new insights and that you got value out of that because that is my mission is to bring you new information or even information with a different perspective, information that can help you become a higher person, a higher version of yourself rather. And I also really encourage you to take the things that you learn and put them into practice to actually create a difference in your life. You absolutely must act on what you learn and create new habits from the insights gained for any significant changes to occur in your life. So my suggestion would be to don't just binge listen to all the episodes from different shows but rather listen to an episode and then see where you can take action from the from the information gained that is going to help you to propel yourself forward in life so yeah if you've got any questions please don't hesitate to get in touch via instagram facebook uh, so the facebook community or email as i'm always open to have a chat and that's how we're going to grow the community together as well So yeah, let me know which part of the episode was your favorite part. Let me know if you learned anything new. And like I said, get in touch on those platforms. I'm going to link all those 
social media handles in the in the show notes of this episode or you can also go to my website which is exploringpossibility.ca.za where you can see more about the show read more about me and also engage that's where i also link all my social media handles and you can yeah like i said get in touch and just communicate a little bit more with me on stuff that you learned and yeah that's that's about it i'll see you in the next episode of exploring possibility and remember don't be afraid to explore and find the possibility 